Shalom Mishpocha. Shalom family. Mishpocha is a Hebrew word. It means family. <laughs> We're the Mishpocha, the family with a Jewish heart made up of Jewish and non-Jewish people where the middle wall of separation between Jew and Gentile finally come down to form one new man. Getting ready, Mishpocha, to blow the grandest shofar or the grandest trumpet in Zion. We want everyone everywhere to hear the good news. We want everyone everywhere to be red hot for the Messiah. Now, I have a brand new book in my hands called Seven Secrets to Power Praying by Dr. Jane Glenchner. And I have Jane on the telephone right now. And Jane uh, is a dermatologist, a medical doctor. Uh, but uh, she, uh, you got saved before you went to medical school. Briefly, how did that happen, Jane? Well, I grew up in a denominational church, um, and they did not teach about having a personal relationship with the Lord, and they didn't believe in miracles or supernatural occurrences. So I had head knowledge, but not heart knowledge of God. It was very easy for me to walk away from my faith in college and be talked out of my beliefs, because it was simply head knowledge. But right before I uh, was applying to medical school, God got my attention, and I had seen Pat and Shirley Boone uh, talking about his new book called A New Song on television. I don't even remember what they said. All I remember was they were filled with a joy and peace that I didn't have, and I wanted it desperately. So I decided maybe if I read their book, I would figure out why they had this joy and peace and how I could have that. And it was in the middle of that book where I heard an inner audible voice of the Lord say, Choose today whom you will serve. I'm not even sure I understood that I was hearing God's voice, but I answered and said, I don't want to choose. I want to control my life. I don't want to go to church on Sunday. I'll get religious when I'm older. And then I went back to reading the book, but I couldn't read the book because that inner quiet voice said, Choose today whom you will serve. And so I put the book down and I said, well, what do I believe? Well, I believe God created the universe. It's obvious from all the detail this couldn't happen by chance. But what do I believe about Jesus? And that's where God really convicted me that Jesus died. He rose from the dead. He gave us his Holy Spirit. And I, I came to the conclusion that if I didn't choose Jesus, I had really chosen by default to serve Satan and to be part of the, you know, Satan's plan, the kingdom of darkness. And I thought, well, I don't want that. And I do believe that Jesus died on the cross and rose. There's enough historical evidence for that. And so at that point, I recommitted my life to Christ just as I was uh, applying to medical school. And, and from what I understand, had you not done that, whatever tiny bit of faith you had would have been drummed out of you at medical school. Am I right? Yes. Okay. But uh, then something spectacular, in my opinion, happened to you. God spoke to you and told you after you've been uh, become a dermatologist, and obviously dermatology is a profitable profession, you're doing well, and God tells you to quit work. Yeah. Uh, that must have been uh, a shocker. <laughs> <laughs> to say the least. I mean, look at all you had to do to get to that point. 
all this education, you know? <laughs> yes. I spent nine years training to be a dermatologist and then eight years practicing my profession, and I was in the middle of a malpractice suit. Uh, oh, oh, wonderful. <laughs> yes, and we were, you know, uh, planning our dream home at the same time. My mother lived with us. I had in-home child care. I only worked part-time, so it made no sense why I would have to stay at home to raise a family. In fact, before I even married my husband, I said to him very emphatically, don't ever expect me to stay home to raise a family. I want to have children, but I have worked since I was 13 years old, and I will never stop working, so don't expect me to be a stay-at-home mom. So it was a shock when God put this burden on my heart, and I began to wrestle with God over a three-month period because I said, God, this is the worst possible time. My husband was not employed in his field of profession. He couldn't find a job, and he was working a temporary job at minimum wage, so we couldn't live on his income, and I was really 90% of the income. I also had the medical and dental insurance. So on every aspect, this made no sense whatsoever. But after three months of wrestling with God, God made it very clear. I, I prayed about it. I got wise counsel. And when I was finally convinced that this was God's choice for me, I said yes, and that started an incredible change in my life. Well, I, I mean, you're telling it very simple, but uh, that had to be—how did your husband go along with it? He's making minimum wage, forgets your dream home, you got this big lawsuit going on, and you said, God told me to quit work, and you're the major wage earner. How did he handle that? Well, um because we sought wise counsel and he was in on those conversations, um, he went along with it. He wasn't happy about it because here I had, I had made this emphatic statement, I will always work. <laughs> um, and I had the, you know, the brilliant idea that when I said yes to God and when I quit, that, oh, I figured this out. God will give my husband a spectacular job like within days or weeks of my quitting, well, that didn't happen. It was another 18 months before he found work in his um, professional career. So it was very stressful. Uh, indeed, it was stressful. Why do you, now in retrospect, why did God tell you to quit your job? Well, I had two young children at home, and like I said, my mother was caring for them. My daughter uh, is adopted from Romania. She had a number of uh, medical and academic issues, learning issues that really needed full-time attention. And I uh, didn't realize that at the time we were taking her to various speech and language therapies. But um, I can see now that God had a future plan in my life, which was to really teach me about effective ways to pray. I also knew, um, since I was young, that I was supposed to write, but it never seemed the, the timing wasn't right, and I didn't know what I was supposed to write about. So it was during this uh, 16 years of being a stay-at-home mom that, that God got me involved in Bible studies, teaching Bible study, leading prayer groups, and all of this you know, ended up as, um, 
as the book that I wrote. Uh, have, tell, tell me what happened to the lawsuit. Oh, well, thankfully, once I submitted to God on that, because I, I was really upset with God. I, I received the lawsuit two weeks before um, the holidays, uh, Christmas holidays, and I had prayed every single day, Lord, please don't ever let me get sued. It's, it's a doctor's worst nightmare. And when I finally accepted it from him and said, God, whatever it is that you need to teach me through this lawsuit, I am going to start thanking you instead of complaining about it and fretting. So I started to say, thank you, God, for the lawsuit. Thank you for what you're teaching me, because it really drove me to the Word. I had to read the Word every single day on my knees at 5.30 in the morning before I even went into work, or I couldn't function. And so God had His way of capturing my attention through that lawsuit, and that got uh, me into the presence of the Lord. So I was spending more time with Him and spending time in the Word. And when I reached that point where I started thanking him for the lawsuit and said, God, teach me whatever it is, the lawsuit was dropped. Now, you use a phrase, uh, you became an apprentice of prayer. What do you mean by that? Well, I felt like I was, in a way, in God's laboratory of prayer, even though at the time that I was learning these principles of how to pray with power, it it just seemed like they were occurring as happenstance or serendipity. I, you know, I would kind of discover them almost in quotes by accident, but it was really in retrospect the Lord leading me to learn these principles. And because I was involved in intercessory prayer groups at my children's school and at church, uh, just God was capturing my attention and teaching me how to access his wisdom to receive supernatural answers to my prayers. Now, you are what is known as a prophetic intercessor. You have a seer anointing. And many times uh, when you're praying for people, you see what I believe is angelic activity. You call it streaks of light. Uh, Tell me about, speaking of angels— Uh, Tell me about the person that called you, a friend that uh, was desperate for a miracle. Yes, I got a phone call one day from a friend, and she said, Jane, I am desperate. I need an answer to prayer within the next 15 minutes. I can't tell you what it's about, but it's desperate. And I knew her well enough to know this was serious. To this day, I have no idea what it was about. But I said, okay, let's pray on the phone. So as I am praying for her, the Lord speaks to me in an inner quiet voice and says to me, ask me to send Michael. Well, I didn't think that was okay to do that. I thought, I don't think we're supposed to pray that way. So I ignored it. And I again heard this inner quiet voice say, ask me to send Michael. I knew this friend well enough to say, um, I'm getting the most unusual request from God, so I'm going to pray this. Uh, I didn't know if it would offend her or not, but I said, I'm, God's telling me to ask Michael to come to your aid. So I said, Lord, would you please send Michael and his angels to go to her home and resolve this issue quickly? Well, I saw in my mind's eye this uh, large, imposing angel leading an army of angels behind him going down her street. 
So I said, you know, I'm actually seeing this happen. So we finished the prayer, and I hung up. Well, within 20 minutes, she calls me back, absolutely stunned, and she said the entire situation was resolved within 15 minutes. Now, just out of curiosity, when you say you saw a whole stream of angels, did you see a vision? What what did you see? Well, it, it would be what we call a closed vision. My eyes are closed, and I see a picture. Um, often when I see pictures, they're almost like movies. So I see them walking down her street. I could visualize her street. I could see this army of white-robed angels coming down her street with Michael in the lead. And how long did it take till she had the answer? Oh, it was within the 15 minutes. Look, you can pray for me anytime you want. <laughs> I'm serious, but I'm also kidding. Uh, uh, l- let me uh, ask you a very important lesson that you learned. And that is, you were shopping one day for carpet cleaner, and this changed your prayer life forever. Yes. My daughter had spilled, I assume, juice on our green carpet, so I found this orange stain days later. And I didn't want her to feel bad about it, and I didn't want to be upset. So I said, God, you know, help me get this stain out of the carpet. I went to a big box store. It was early in the morning. There was almost no one in the store. And all the stain remover cans were on the bottom shelf. So I got on my knees, and I looked at them. I read all the descriptions. They all sounded wonderful. But I'm a little bit of a perfectionist. So I said, God, which one would be the best? Now, I had never done this before, but I decided to experiment. And I said, I'm going to ask you about each can. Would you show me which one's the best? And so I closed my eyes. I put my hand on the first can. I said, God, is this the right one? I'm not even sure what I expected him to do, but nothing happened. And so I put my hand on the second one. Same thing. No response. The third one, when I got to the fourth one, I hear an outer audible voice say, that is the best stain remover. And I'm stunned. I almost wish there was a candid camera on my face because I'm thinking, well, it couldn't be God. It was a female voice. What, you know, are they, did I hear an angel? So I hear it again. That is the best stain remover. So I turned in the direction of the sound, and two elderly white-haired women are walking down the aisle towards me. They never said a word to me directly, but when they got behind me, one of them said for the third time, that is the best stain remover. And they, you know, went off down into another aisle, and I thought, well, they don't look like angels, but I'm going to buy the stain remover. And it took the stain out very, very quickly. So I thought, you know, maybe I've discovered something here. And that really revolutionized my prayer life at that that moment. You know, one of the things when we spoke earlier on the telephone, uh, you said something that really attracted my interest. From your medical view uh, uh, training, you understand uh, how the brain operates. And, uh, and most of us have heard there's left brain people. Uh, they're the real logical type people. And then there's right brain people. Uh, they're the ones, uh, the visionaries and the artists and the musicians. Uh, but you said the people that learn how to lean on the right side of their brain open themselves up to the supernatural more. Explain what you mean. Well, I had taken a class in watercolor, and so that's a creative uh, hobby. 
And I found myself very relaxed when I did something creative. And as I learned to hear God, I found that when I was relaxed and not talking inside my head, not analyzing things, I would be able to hear God better. And a friend had said to me, Jane, you've got to stop listening in your head. You have to start listening in your heart. I didn't really understand what that meant at the time, but over time, God showed me that if I would quiet myself and look out at nature or look at a picture, um, if I would just quiet the brain talk, what I call brain chatter, sometimes I would have to ask God, God, would you quiet the left side of my brain and activate the right side of my brain by what I call flipping that switch to the right side, I could hear God more easily. I would see pictures more easily. Did you really see a difference when you did these things? Oh, yes. I'll tell you what. I have that particular problem myself, and I want to hear a little bit more about it when we come back after the break. But I was so excited. Do you know what we did last week? I wrote a book. Uh, I I say I wrote a book. God gave me a dream. And he instructed me to write a book of 10 Jewish testimonies called They Thought for Themselves. And he said more Jews would come to know him through this than anything I'd ever done before. Uh, And that was a true word from God. We got out the book They Thought for Themselves. Uh, We've mailed millions of them throughout the world to Jewish households. Well, last week we mailed 14,000 of these books to 14,000 Jewish households in North America. I mean, I am just ecstatic over it. Only heaven is going to know how many Jewish people are going to come to the Lord through that project. But I want everyone listening to me. We are living in the last of the last days. We are living in what will shortly be very, very desperate times, but they don't have to be desperate for you. I want you to take the guesswork out of your decision-making. I want you to make your decisions in partnership with God's wisdom. And I have to tell you, this brand new book by Dr. Jane Glensher is uh, is going to motivate you to hunger and thirst, to set apart time to be with God. You know why? Because if you're pragmatic like me, you, you do it for a while, but if you don't see results, you go on to something else. Well, you are going to be motivated to do this. You will see results. You'll no longer have to have a pros and cons list when you're making a decision uh, because there's something better. God knows the future. I can't wait to get her brand new book into your hands. These are secrets that God taught her when he told her to quit work and and start uh, uh, go into this school of understanding prayer. And it's seven secrets to power praying, how to access God's wisdom and miracles every day. And we're including with this a two-sided declaration card, which has affirmations of who you are in Jesus, faith builders, all from Scripture, supernatural protection for you and your household, prayers for wisdom, health, 
finances. You should start every day that way, and she'll show you how to start accessing God's wisdom, plus two CDs. There's even one with a special teaching for your children to teach them to pray with power, all available for a gift of $39. We'll be right back, and we'll find out how to get that right side of your brain activated. Call our order-only line, one 800 447 2697 one 447 2697 Sid Roth here with Dr. Jane Glensher, and we're talking about her brand new book, Seven Secrets for Power Praying, or subtitled, How to Access God's Wisdom and Miracles Every Day. Now, Jane, uh, in the last segment, you were talking about something that revolutionized your prayer life, and it was something so simple. Uh, You went out to buy a carpet cleaner. Uh, How did this revolutionize your life when you found out that uh, God could talk to you about something so simple as a carpet cleaner as to which is the best? Well, I realized that God wasn't angry if I asked about the small decisions or even the large decisions in my life. Because when I grew up, God was so distant in my thinking. He was as far away as the farthest galaxy. But as I asked him, where do I find shoes for my daughter's narrow feet? That was such a difficult task for me because she was so impatient. She she was hyperactive. It would often take us days and dozens of shoes trying on, and she would become so angry. And so I said, God, would you help me find shoes for my daughter's narrow feet? And we prayed about it. I took my daughter and I said, Amelia, let's, let's pray and ask God. He knows where all the shoes are in every store. He knows exactly where the store is, where the shoes would fit your feet and, and shoes that you would love. So let's ask him if he would show us. And so when we prayed and I asked God, where can we find shoes for Amelia? I saw an image of a big box store. Now, normally I took her to shoe stores, but I decided let's check this out. We went, and after trying on one or two pairs of shoes, we walked out in less than 45 minutes with a new pair of shoes that she loved and that were reasonably priced. So I thought, this really is amazing. And I just began to apply that principle to every aspect. But but there's some people listening, and they say it's unbiblical, but they say God's too busy to be concerned about a pair of shoes. I wouldn't want to bother him with that. What would you say to them? Well, I would say it is biblical because in 1 Peter 5, 7, it exhorts us to cast all our cares upon him. And in the Amplified Translation, it says all of our worries, everything. It doesn't qualify what we can ask God about. It doesn't say if it's over $100, you can ask him, but if it's under $100, sorry, you're on your own. Um, so I think it's very scriptural. Matthew 7, 7 says, ask and keep on asking, seek and keep on seeking, and those who ask will receive. So I, I do think there are a number of scriptures that exhort us to ask, and God promises us that he will provide for all of our needs according to his glorious riches. Well, if he promises to provide, why wouldn't he tell us where to get the provision? And I don't want people to think that I look at God like a genie in a bottle, 
that I only come to him when I need something, you know, physical or tangible. I apply this to issues in relationships. You can apply this to decisions you have to make in business or careers, um, colleges, which college should my child attend. We used it to determine what courses they should take in high school. It just goes across the board. You can ask God anything. He's never demonstrating any anger towards me. In fact, I get very um, personalized, almost customized answers to my prayers. Now, now, someone would say, but you're special. You have a gift from God. What you're telling me could not be developed for me. I'm just a housewife. Well, I was just a stay-at-home mom, really. It doesn't take a degree, and you don't have to be a super saint. Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice. Well, we're all his sheep. Any believer can hear God speak to them, whether it's through an inner audible voice or a dream or an impression or a vision. I think we have to go through a little bit of training sometimes, but I have taught people who have had no training to hear God, and I don't think he's any respecter of persons. Well, I'll tell you what. Uh, I, I want to go back to that question uh, that I said I would at the, in the first segment, and that is I want to learn a little bit more of how someone gets out of their left brain so they can hear God better. Uh, and then I want you to train us a little bit on how we can hear God to make decisions. But, uh, but for starters, uh, you had this painting course, and you started painting, and what did you begin to notice? Well, that really helped me to understand left brain and right brain because I came out of that class feeling incredibly relaxed. And then I had an artist friend who uh, recommended a book on drawing from the right side of the brain. And as I re- You can really draw from the right side of the brain as opposed to the left? Yes. I never even thought about that. <laughs> <laughs> and so I, I, as I read the book, I came to an understanding that when we are in, when we're primarily activating the left side of our brain, we are linear and logical, using our language skills. But when we're on the right side, that's where we're creative, where we see things. So how do I make the switch? I want to do it. Tell me. <laughs> <laughs> in order to access the right side of your brain, number one, you can simply ask God, quiet the left side of my brain and activate the right side of my brain. Or... Some of the practical things that I do, I might sit outside and just start to enjoy God's nature because that is focusing on the visual. And I might say, God, just thank you for the trees and the clouds and it's beautiful. And just start looking at that. And I will find that I drop from my head down into what I call listening in my heart. Or I may close my eyes and just focus on an image of the Lord and just ask for his presence to come. And I might say, I command my flesh to be quiet. I command the chatter in my brain to stop. So there are various ways. So, so what I'm hearing you say is you break your same old, same old routine. Yes. In other words, I stop analyzing. I stop if I'm you know, upset about something. I don't go there. I don't explain to God why I'm so upset about something. I simply say, Lord... I need to know about this. And then I don't go through the details in my head. I simply stop and listen and focus. I may even focus on my ears because I tend to hear him with an inner quiet voice. But whatever it is, 
I... What, 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 what do you mean you focus on your ears? Explain that. Well, I just have an expectancy to hear him. In other words, I'm expecting an answer. I'm expecting to either see something or hear something or get an impression. I think a lot of people aren't expecting an answer. And so they just start going back into the logic, back into the analyzing. Well, maybe I should do this. Maybe I should do that. And I will ask people when I'm teaching them, are you hearing sentences in your head? Are you talking about this to God? Are you analyzing this? Are you trying to figure it out yourself? And they'll say, yes. I say, stop that. Just be quiet and expect an answer. And, and when you start hearing all this logic coming at you, yes. what do you do? Well, if I have a specific answer that I think might be the best, I may even ask God, Lord, this seems to be the best answer. Is this your choice? What's your truth about this? And if I don't hear something from God on that, then I discard it. Sometimes logical, the logical answer is the best answer. So, I mean, God did give us a brain, but it's how we use it that's important. And I will ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, take charge over my thoughts right now. Quiet them. I want your peace to just saturate my heart and mind. It's important to understand that I, just my temperament, I have always been extremely logical, very linear. Everything had to make sense. So many times I would pray, and I would say, God, that does not make sense. Like when he asked me to quit my job. God, that does not make sense. I can't do this. But when you look at the miracles in the Bible, do any of those make sense? Of course not. Put some mud in your eye. Go, go, go uh, dip yourself seven times in the Jordan. I mean, this craziness. Meshuga. That's a Hebrew word for crazy. <laughs> right. Or a coin in a fish's mouth. Yeah. I mean, if God told you to go, you know, catch a fish and it would pay your taxes, you might say, is that you, God? Are you really saying that to me? But, you know, what I found is that logic is not always our best object, uh, option and that not every logical idea originates in the heart of God. So God really had to work on me on this. So uh, tell, tell me just uh, some practical things. All right, if I want to, first of all, I can't paint. But if I want to paint from the right side of my brain, what do I do? Well, uh, let me give you an example, because sometimes I think examples give a, a picture of how this works. I uh, was thinking about attending a spiritual conference. I had been there five years in a row, and I thought, you know, I've been there five years. It's expensive. It's an eight- to nine-hour drive. Um, uh, you know, it's been the same conference. I don't know anybody that's going, and I have to go by myself, drive by myself. I don't think I'm going to go. And as I did that, I realized, oh, I'm analyzing. I'm using logic. I'm on the left side of my brain. That's not honoring God. So I said, God, I am sorry. I'm not, I'm not asking you what your best choice is for me. I'm just making a decision based on logic and human reasoning, which is limited. So I said, God, I say yes to whatever you want me to do. If you want me to go, I will go. If you don't want me to go, I won't go. What is your heart on this? And immediately I hear, get excited. Prepare to go. And I thought, oh, 
okay, and I had an impression that I was going to meet people there that were would be important for whatever God had for me. I didn't realize until the night before the conference that the editor for my book would be at that conference. The marketing director would be at that conference. I made connections with people there that couldn't have been made in, in other ways. So, Again, it's an example of God's ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And when we limit God because of our logic and reasoning, we can miss his best for us. So what would you say to a person that says, I hear from God once in a while, but I usually, I, I, I usually just have a list of uh, pros and cons of what I should do. I'd like to get beyond that list. What could I do? Well, God, I was the the queen of the pros and cons list. I can still see myself as a teenager making my list, you know, what was in the pros, con, pros column, what was in the cons column, and then making all my decisions that way because, again, I was very logical and very linear. But one of the secrets is to get rid of your pros and cons list. And how God convicted me of this was through Romans 8.6 in the Amplified Translation. It radically changed my decision-making process. In the Amplified Translation, this verse says, The mind of the flesh, which is sense and reason without the Holy Spirit, is death. That's pretty severe. But the mind controlled by the Spirit is life and soul peace. So that really convicted me that I was using sense and reason without the Holy Spirit. God wants us to be submitted to Him and have our thoughts controlled by the Holy Spirit. Tell, tell you, We were talking on the phone, uh, I believe it was uh, uh, yesterday, uh, and, and you told me that even now, even as God has worked with you in, uh, in dreams and visions and seeing uh, these streaks of light and having prophetic words for people, uh, that you still spend a great deal of time being still before God. Why do you do that? It seems to me that, again, there's my practical side speaking, uh, that why would God make you sit for a half hour when you could sit for a minute and get something? Well, in reality, for the most part, I do get answers rather quickly. Sometimes, however, we're dealing with a situation where our emotions are involved. Maybe we have some biases, and our biases can kind of filter out God. Sometimes it takes me a little longer to quiet my flesh and quiet that brain chatter. And so if it's an important decision and maybe there's an emotional hook in it, I might take longer. I'm reminded in the Bible, Jesus spent all night in prayer before he appointed his original disciples. Yes, and I think it honors God when we sit in his presence, not just merely for an answer to our need, but just to worship him, to adore him, uh, to honor him. And I think it's also a bit of a test of our faith. Do we only come to him for our needs, or, or do we really enjoy the relationship? I want to emphasize that my teaching is also not just about receiving supernatural answers to prayer, but also 
that that deep personal relationship with the Lord is is of prime importance because from that flows the you know being able to access his wisdom now you have uh, you like to work with keys and uh you teach in your book the five p's the letter p and these are secrets to get your prayers answered, to unlock the mysteries. Now, you were just touching one of those P's, and that is presence. Uh, Explain that a little bit more. Yes, I didn't learn about the importance of spending time in God's presence until I did have that malpractice suit. I was a very type A person. I raced everywhere. Everything was done quickly. You had to move out of my way because I was full steam ahead. And I I called myself a medical Martha. But the lawsuit stopped me in my tracks because I I couldn't function unless I was reading Scripture that would uh, encourage me, uh, encourage my spirit, quiet my raging emotions, my, you know, the anger, the fear that came with the malpractice suit. And so um, that plus when God burdened me to quit my job, uh, which, you know, felt like a death sentence to my career and myself, and and it was, and my financial security, it forced me really to spend more time focused on the Lord to to seek His heart. And I think that's just such a key, is to know God's heart, again, because His ways are higher than our ways. He doesn't think the way we think, and it does take time to learn how God thinks and what's important to God. So pr- spending time in His presence is one of the key things to just learning who God is, his character and his nature, as well as spending time in the Word. Uh, let's talk about another P, passion. Well, as my temperament has always been very quiet, very reserved. I was a very reserved physician as well. I, I didn't know what passion was. It was not on my emotional palate. And when I quit my job, I had my first opportunity to take an adult Bible study. And the teacher was very passionate. There was a video to go along with the teaching. And I sat there absolutely fixated on her face, thinking, how is she so excited about Jesus? The Jesus I learned growing up was dry as toast. And I don't mean that, you know, judgmentally, but I just didn't know you could be excited about Jesus. And when I saw that passion, I thought, God, I've got to have that because if I'm going to spend time every day in your Word and seeking you, it's got to be exciting, or it's going to be a drudgery. And so I started at that point, from the very first day of that Bible study, saying, Lord, I have to have the same passion she has. Now, it, I didn't get it the next day. I didn't get it the next week. But every day, I said, God, I have to have that passion, or I won't be able to do this. And I did that week after week, month after month, until I finally had that passion. And so I just want to encourage people that if it's hard to do your devotions, if it's hard to pray and sit still, ask God for a passion for His Word and a passion for His presence, and continue to seek Him for that until you get it. Uh, You know, the scripture that's coming to me is, you have not because you ask not. And uh, in fact, I was reading something that you, you, you talked about. Ask, ask, ask. Comment on that. Yes. Well, um, I'll tell you an interesting true life story. I had a friend come over 
She was 40, and um, she really wanted to find a husband. She was single. And I said, well, have you asked God? And she goes, no. I said, why not? Her response was, God knows I want a husband. If he wanted me to have it, he would give me a husband. And I looked at her, I said, you know, the word says in the book of James that you don't have because you don't ask, or you ask with the wrong motives. I said, God could put your future husband in the same pew in the church that you're sitting in. And do you know within two weeks, she decided to go home and pray and ask God for a husband. Within two weeks, she met her future husband in the same pew she was sitting in in church, and they got married. I love that. Well, when we come back, I want to talk about some of these seven secrets to power praying. And uh, Dr. Glensher, why, why did you write the book, Seven Secrets to Power Praying? The main reason was to take the guesswork and stress out of decision-making, especially for me as a perfectionist. I wanted the best choice. And the Bible is full of wisdom, but it doesn't really answer questions like which health insurance to buy, which college should my kids go to, should I sign this contract, where can I find shoes for my daughter's narrow feet. The Bible, I have the deepest reverence for the Word of God, but we have real-life issues and, and decisions we have to make. And so I wanted other believers to know that ordinary people like me can access God's wisdom and receive extraordinary answers to their prayers. Well, Dr. Glensher got these keys from God, and it's not just theory. She's not a college professor. She's teaching from her own experience. And if you are tired of that making a a list of here are the reasons I should do something, here's the reasons I should not, there's something better especially with where we are in the world, Jesus is getting ready to return. And I believe that this is an answer to your prayer. I believe that your heart has been, God, I want to hear your voice. God, I want you in everything I do. And I'm telling you, if that isn't the prayer of your heart, you're sugar. you're crazy. So I want to put this brand new book and your hand on Power Praying, the two CDs, How to Pray with Power, and Teaching Your Children to Pray with Power. And I love this declaration card that you've put together. You put it right in your Bible, and every morning you declare scriptures written right out for you, for your health, for your finances, for wisdom, uh, for protection, to build your faith to affirm who you are in the Messiah. This should be a must for everyone. We're making all three available for a gift of $39. And I want you to know that if you can put more money in, your money will be used for Jewish evangelism. I I just got a phone call uh, from my sister in Israel, and she met with probably one of the top Messianic Jewish leaders in the world. And this is what the leader said to her. You know, Sid is the only one I know really reaching Jewish people throughout the world. Last week, we mailed out 7,000 of my books, they thought for themselves, to Jewish families in North America. And then it's hooked in with, with an evangelistic web page that they go to. Well, anything you can put in beyond the $39 will be poured 
into Jewish evangelism. And we'll be right back because I want to hear some of these secrets for power praying. Call our order-only line, 1-800-447-2697. 1-800-447-2697. Sid Roth here with Dr. Jane Glencher. And uh, Jane, you talk about a term I haven't heard before. It's called cloaking. Uh, what does that mean? And explain it. Yes, I discovered that with my son. He was in our study working on the computer. He came out and said, Mom, the computer stopped working. Well, I'm a pretty low-tech person, so I went back there, tried the very few things that I knew to do, and nothing worked. So I turned to him and I said, let's pray about it. Well, he looked at me like I had two heads. He goes, Mom, it's a computer problem, and he walked off. So as I'm trying to, you know, patch up my hurt feelings, he comes back. He says, you're right, it's cloaking. I said, how can I be right when I don't know what that is? And he said, cloaking, and he took this term from Star Trek where the enemy spaceship puts a shield over itself so that it's invisible and it can attack the good guys unseen. And so he explained to me the enemy, you know, an evil spirit, had botched up the computer and tried to convince us that it was simply a mechanical or electronic problem. I said, oh, okay. So I took authority over it. I bound it, broke it off the computer, and it instantly started to work. So here was another serendipity. I thought, I wonder, you know, where we see this in other places. I see it a lot of times with physical ailments. For example, my son and I went uh, shopping and doing errands for about three hours. We came back home. He said, oh, Mom, you know, my foot hurts. And I said, why? He said, because we were shopping for three hours. And I said to him, well, my feet don't hurt. So I reached over and I put my hand on his foot. And I said, I command that pain to go in Jesus' name. And it was instantly gone. I said, Mark, that's cloaking. So the enemy can take our natural situation, attach some assignment or, you know, kind of put a glitch in something or a pain on somebody, and they will attribute it to a natural cause and never think that it's really demonic. And so I just see this over and over again, especially when I go up to a cash register in a store and suddenly the clerk says, oh, my register stopped working. The computer's not working. So I will silently, in my head, just bind the enemy, break it off, and nine times out of ten, it comes back online and we're fine. So that's what cloaking is, and I think it's really important to, to just have that thought in your head. Could this be a demonic attack against either one's body or against something mechanical or electronic? Now, you wrote a book on this subject, Seven Secrets to Power Praying. Uh, what do you mean by power praying, by the way? Well, I believe that God is glorified when we pray prayers that in the natural cannot be answered in our own strength or using our natural abilities. Prayers that require his supernatural intervention. And so that's really what I mean by power praying. You know, Jesus said that um, we will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. So we're really 
relying on the power of the Holy Spirit and accessing God's wisdom for whatever our prayer request is. Well, let, let's take a couple of these secrets. Uh, the, the, the first one is say yes first. Tell me about the time you were pinned to the floor. Yes. Well, my son is an avid reader, and so we would frequently go to a local Christian bookstore. That particular day, I did not want to go in because I have enough books and I didn't want to buy anymore. So I sat in the car, but it started to get chilly because it was a fall day. And I went into the store, found my son, and just stood there waiting for him to make his decision. When suddenly I felt this heavy presence of the Holy Spirit on me. And I couldn't move. It was as if my feet were pinned to the floor. My son noticed this funny look on my face and said, Mom, what's wrong? I told him, I feel like I'm pinned to this spot. I can't move. So I thought, why is God doing this? I didn't get an answer. So I turned to my right where there was a bookshelf, and my eyes fell on the first book, which was uh, entitled Experiencing the Spirit by uh, Henry and Melvin Blackaby. So I picked up the book and randomly opened it and started reading, and I thought, my goodness, this is anointed writing. So I asked God, I said, God, I don't need another book, but do you want me to buy this? And I got a confirmation that I was to buy it not only for myself, but for someone else. And in that book, I learned the concept of saying yes to God first before you even know what he is asking you to do. So how do you practically do that? Well, (laughs) the convicting statement was, if Jesus is Lord of my life, then that means the answer to anything God asks me to do needs to be yes. So there are times when I struggle with saying yes. I think we all do. And so if there is something that God is asking me to do, and I can't say yes to it because maybe it upsets me or I don't want to do it, I will say, God, I give you permission to change my heart and mind about this. I'm, I say yes to you, whatever it is you're going to ask me to do, I say yes, because you will equip me to do it. And so that has really been another way to be in the perfect will of God when our own human flesh maybe does not want to go in that direction. Tell me another secret, such as tapping into God's heart. Yes, well, that's one of my favorites, because sometimes when we come to God and we're asking specific requests, we don't allow God a chance to just tell us what's on his heart. And so one day, a friend had asked me to come over to pray. She had a very serious uh, issue that she needed an answer to. And so I said to her, you know, I want to honor God first before we ask your question Let's honor God by just asking him what's on his heart today. So do you start every day that way? Yes. Mm-hmm. That's a great way to start your prayer. Not, God, this is what is on my heart. God, what is on your heart? What a difference. What's on your heart. Right. So when I said that, God, what is on your heart? It's really giving him carte blanche to say whatever he wants to tell us. And so what I heard very clearly was an inner quiet voice that said, your mother will not die this year. Well, that wasn't even a thought in my head. Yes, she was, you know, elderly, but why would God be telling me that? And I heard it 
again and again. So I thought, well, this must be important. I'm going to write it down. Turns out three months later, she was in a severe accident. She fell stepping into her garage from her house, fractured her pelvis in three places, fractured her shoulder, and could not get anyone's attention for help. She dragged herself across the entire garage floor to the opening of the garage, and thankfully the the door was open, but it was 9 p.m., and nobody was outside, and it was an especially chilly day, so the temperature dropped, and she lay there for perhaps nine hours on the concrete before someone heard her cry for help. When we got to the emergency room, the doctor pulls me aside, knowing I'm a physician, shows me the x-rays, and said, this is very serious. She's lost several pints of blood. She may not make it. You need to call in your family. Well, I had already remembered what God said. My mother's not going to die this year. So I just said, no, she'll be fine. Now, he may have thought I was crazy, but I felt strongly I had to agree with what God had already told me. And then the same thing happened because they transferred her to a level one trauma center. Same thing happened with the next ER physician. She said to me, I don't think your mom's going to make it. You need to call in the family. And I said, no, she'll be fine. And I kept declaring that. And because God had said that to me, it helped me to make decisions about her care for the next two months as she recovered. And she fully recovered. You know, your teaching is so practical. Uh, would Tell me one person that comes to mind that sat under your teaching and what happened to them. Well, mostly it's my children to begin with during the 16 years. But over time, I have, you know, mentored a number of people. And um, it always amazes me that they are able to start getting impressions and making decisions that way. They're usually surprised by what I pray about. um, But they will say to me, No, I never thought about praying about this, but I did, and God showed me something. In particular, a friend taught her husband to do this. He needed to make a decision about whether to take a new job or not. He hadn't even read the book, but they sat down. She said, let's just ask God and see if he'll show you whether this job that you just interviewed at is the right choice for you. He immediately got a picture in his mind to confirm to take the new job. I was amazed by that. Well, it's supernatural. I've got to get her supernatural new book into your hands. It's called Seven Secrets to Power Praying, and included is this declaration card, which is a handy size. It'll fit into any Bible, uh, and it's affirmations that I want you to start every morning with. Uh, First, you're going to say, God, what is on your heart? Then you're going to read scriptures about who you really are in the Messiah, and then faith builders from Scripture, and protection for yourself, your family, your friends, wisdom, health, finances, and then the two-CD set to complement the brand-new book, all available for a gift of $39. And remember, anything more you can give us, you'll get a tax-deductible receipt, but more important, you'll get credit in heaven because we're going to the Jew first using the supernatural, which opens up an amazing door to reach more Gentiles than if you didn't go to the Jew first. So we're making the entire package available for a gift of $39. The Lord has already blessed you. The Lord has already smiled upon you. 
The Lord has already given you his gifts. The Lord has already given you his shalom, his completeness in your spirit, in your soul, in your body. In the name of the Sar Shalom, the Prince of Peace, Yeshua HaMashiach Tzikenu, Jesus the Messiah, our righteousness. To place a credit card order for today's offer, call anytime at 1-800-447-2697. That's 1-800-447-2697. Or log on to our website at www.sidroth.org. To hear this week's interview or watch archives of our television show, It's Supernatural, visit our website at www.sidroth.org. That's www.sidroth.org. Discover how you can begin watching for free our 24-hour, 7-day-a-week TV network, ISN, the It's Supernatural Network. You can write me at Sid Roth, Post Office Box 39222, Charlotte, North Carolina, 28278. That's Sid Roth, Post Office Box 39222, Charlotte, North Carolina, 28278.